Hello everybody, and welcome back to another Raptured Millennial Podcast. I'll be your host today, Kyle Pickens. I'm sorry for the uh, the scarceness of our podcast over the past uh, few days. Um, we just both been caught up with life, and I've had some trouble with technology, and that's always fun. But I promise to try my best to be a bit more consistent in the future and uh, keep this ball rolling. So if you're returning, I want to welcome you back. And if you're here for the first time, I want to say thank you. Uh, Please listen all the way through. Let us know what you think. Uh, Maybe check out some of the other podcasts. My co-host, James King, has done some really nice stuff thus far. Um, And if you would like to, please check out our Facebook page at Raptured Millennial Podcast. Or email us at Raptured Millennial Podcast. Uh, Let's see. Let me get that email for you. But yeah, I would like to thank you all for coming here and listening. I want to kind of pick up with where it was before. What is the Bible? What is it? Where does it come from? What, you know, what does it have in it? So I want to do a timeline overarching just about the whole Bible today. I'm trying to make up for uh, the past couple weeks in this podcast. So I'm going to do one long podcast and then hopefully keep on the schedule next time so i want obviously if we're going to do a timeline you want to start at the beginning and this isn't going to be a timeline in the sense that i'm going to give you hard fast dates and like this is exactly when this happened this isn't a history class and the dates of what the events of the book of the bible are actually still a very hot theological topic and there's no hard set answer on when anything happened So rather than try and take away from the explanation on what's contained within, I want to just focus on just that, the content of each book. So to start with, I'm going to give probably about a couple sentences summary on what what each book is and where where does it all fit into the whole piece of the Bible. So obviously we need to start back, way back, in Genesis. Now, like I mentioned on my last podcast, this is a part of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, which are attributed to being written by Moses. And he comes in a bit down the line. So these first five books really just set up the nation of Israel. It's about the founding fathers, you could say, the forefathers, the start, the creation of the world starts in Genesis. And it moves through to how God found his chosen people and how they came to be. So in Genesis, you start with the creation story. And then you move into Adam and Eve and the fall of man. And this is when you start to see humanity as a whole develop into nations. You see people start to split off, branch out. It's God, this is how God, uh, you know, this is how the story set up. This is the precursor. And you get all the people from Adam and Eve all the way up through Abraham, the founding of Israel. And then you move into Exodus. And this is where Israel uh, departs from Egypt. You all might have seen the DreamWorks movie, uh, Prince of Egypt. And this is exactly that, the story of Moses and how they got to 
Egypt and how they became enslaved in the first place. You all may remember the other DreamWorks movie, uh, Joseph King of Dreams. Both fantastic movies, and if you want to hear the stories on how Israel got to Egypt and how they got out, I highly recommend listening to those. And later in Exodus, after they depart from Egypt, it's you, this is where God hands down the law. This is where you'll find stuff like the Ten Commandments. This is where they establish the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. This is the whole foundation of everything that comes after for Israel, the 12 t- tribes. Then you move into Leviticus. Leviticus is a very... It's a very slow, long read. It's the Levitical law for the Israelites. This is where you get a lot of the, what I tend to view as misquotes from the Bible. It's where you find, oh, you shouldn't eat shellfish. You can only have meat well done. Uh, Also, rather than just a clean living lifestyle laws, how to stay healthy, it has laws concerning matters of spirituality, of faith. So, and there is, there is a separation there. I'm not going to get into that today. Again, I just kind of want to get through and show everybody, you know, what's in each book, best as I can. Then you move into Numbers. This is kind of the census of the people. It's a story of Israel's wandering in the wilderness. And you may be wondering, hey, how'd they get in the wilderness? Well, when Moses took them out, out of Egypt... They were going to the promised land, the land of Canaan. And when they got there, they sent a couple scouts. And they came back and they're like, there's these huge, they're giants, they're monsters. There's no way we can take them. There's still a couple faithful to God. It's like, dude, God parted the sea for us. No, he brought us up out of Egypt. He'll take care of us in his promised land. But the people as a whole were like, nope, not today, not doing it. And so what God did was he to um, punish this unfaithful generation. They were pretty much cursed to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. Uh, they survived off of God blessing them with manna raining from the sky. And they, until that old generation, all except those who were faithful to him, died out, they were going to wander in the wilderness. And that took 40 years. 40 years of just packing tents, and hiking through the desert. What a way to live. But after numbers, you move into Deuteronomy, which is where you kind of really get the laws set in stone, per se. And this is where Moses dies. He climbs to the top of the mountain and looks out over Canaan, God's promised land, one time. And he gets strike dead for it because God said, none of you shall see the promised land when they turned their backs on him. And that included Moses. And he, uh, he, so he was struck down by God. And the leaders, uh, you may guess from the name of the next book, turns out to be Joshua, one of those who was faithful to him when they first came to Canaan and said, no, we can trust God. And so he leads them and they conquest. I mean, they conquer all of Canaan. God provides the way you may uh, be familiar with the story of Jericho. Joshua led that. And at the forefront was always God. As you move into Judges, this is a time in Israel's history where 
The land of Canaan was split into 12 pieces for the 12 tribes of Israel, and they did not have a king. So what they did was when Israel, Israel was under God's protection, but when they turned away, God lifted his protection, and they were able to be conquered by foreign nations, aggressive nations, and then they would repent of their sins and turn back to God. And when they did that, God would raise up what was called a judge. Probably the most famous judge was Samson. I'm sure you guys are all familiar with uh, the story of Samson and Delilah. But he was a judge. These were people who would free Israel and unite the 12 tribes for a time. And this covers the history from Joshua to Samson. Moving in, you have kind of a little break from the kind of linear story arc as you go into Ruth. And Ruth tells the story of some of the ancestors of the royal family of Judah. Which turns out once Israel becomes a kingdom, it kind of splits in two. You have Israel and you have Judah. After Ruth, you go into 1st and 2nd Samuel. And this is split into two parts because... It's about two kings. And you're like, two kings named Samuel? Nah. Samuel is the prophet of God who was appointed as his, um, pretty much the mouthpiece of God for that amount of time within the reign of these two kings. And the first one, first Samuel, Samuel was a judge, the last judge of Israel. And the people came to him and they said, Samuel, we need a king. Give us a king. Tell God we want a king and have him anoint one because we want to be protected as the other nations are protected. And Samuel fights back like a king's just going to take your women for wives. He's going to take your crops for food for him and his entertainers. He's going to take your sons for his army. And the people were having none of it. They're like, nah, we want a king. So God said, give them a king you will see a man coming down the road looking for his donkey by the name of Saul. Anoint him and crown him the king. And so he does. And Saul is a massive man. And he's got massive appetites that, in the end, turn him away from God. He stops listening. And he doesn't trust in God. And this starts fairly on. And God, knowing Saul's heart, and seeing his unfaithfulness, says, I remove my blessing from Saul, and I give it to this boy, David. And so, David is the one who takes over for Saul, and really starts the kingdom of Israel, living in God's way. And David, by no means, is perfect, but he always repented and came back to God. It's said of David that he was a man of God's own heart. And you may recognize David from the story of David and the Goliath, that little kid with the pebbles and the sling. That's David. That is the future king of Israel. And as you move on, we see first and second kings. And this is the kind of the history of the nation uh, from David's death and Solomon's ascension to the throne. Solomon was one of David's sons. And it goes on through the destruction of Judah and how Jerusalem gets desolated. And it goes in and all this stuff, it's pretty much the 
collective history of Israel's monarchy, excluding Saul and David, who came before. After First and Second Kings, you have Chronicles, and this is a record made by the historiographers of the kingdom of Judah and Israel. This is like the official histories, written histories of both kingdoms contained within Chronicles. After Chronicles, you have Ezra. Ezra is the story of the Jews uh, who um, break free from Babylon captivity and they go back to Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple. In Nehemiah, the next book, uh, it's kind of a continuation of Ezra. It's rebuilding the temple, the city, and what obstacles the children of God, the nation of Israel, must overcome in order to complete their goal. And then in Esther, you come, uh, she comes in, and she bec she's a Jew who becomes queen of Persia and saves the Jewish people from extinction, basically. And you may uh, kind of recognize her. Uh, it's kind of the story of One Night with the King. Uh, if you ever watched Veggie Tales, the Esther in Veggie Tales does a very good job at demonstrating the story arc of this book of the Bible. Highly recommend it. Then we have the oldest written book of the Bible, Job. And I mentioned this in my last podcast because I kind of find it kind of fascinating that you, m you might think that Genesis, not Genesis, has to be the oldest book. It came first. This, I mean, this is talking about creation. But nope. Genesis, is, along with the other four books of the uh, Torah, are attributed to Moses. Job is um, a holy man of Edom. And he, I mean, this... You think your life has hit the crapper, you need to read Job. This man has a horrible time. And it really kind of speaks unto, no, unto God's character. Reading this will really give you some good insight into that. And Job never once turns his back on God. And he stays faithful through everything, through the pain, the heartache. I mean, he weathers the storm, and he comes out stronger than ever. It is an amazing and inspiring book that I highly suggest everyone reads at some point. It is quite lengthy. Uh, it's not the longest book of the Bible. I'm fairly sure that that would be Isaiah, which we'll get to in a minute. But I highly recommend everyone reads it. Moving on from Job, you have the end of kind of the historical account of Israel. You start moving into poetry and wisdom section of the Pentateuch, of the Tanakh. And as you do so, the first book that you encounter is Psalms, which is a collection of sacred poems and uh, songs that were intended to worship Jehovah God. Most of these were written by King David himself. And once you get done with the Psalms, you have Proverbs. And these are the wise saying of Solomon, who was blessed by God to have great wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, you have, it's based, the whole thing is pretty much a poem respecting the vanity of earthly things. And then you move into the final book of poetry and wisdom, which is Solomon's Song, which is an allegory relating to the church. And with that ending, 
you have all of the profits. Now this is going to get fairly repetitive here, so bear with me. To start it off, you have Isaiah, and he drops lots of prophecies about Christ and his kingdom. That's right. This far in advance, way before Jesus Christ was born, or even a thought in human minds, Isaiah was predicting it. Moving on, you have Jeremiah, which is these prophecies announce the captivity of Judah, its sufferings, and the final overthrow of its enemies. Moving in, you have Lamentations, which, as you might have guessed from the name, isn't the happiest book in the Bible. It's the utterance of Jeremiah's sorrow upon the capture of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. In Ezekiel, you hear messages of warning and comfort to the Jews in their captivity. In Daniel, you have a narrative of some of the occurrences of the captivity in a series of prophecies concerning Christ, again, far in advance. In Hosea, you have more prophecies about Jesus Christ in the latter days. In Joel, you have predictions of woe upon Judah and the favor with which God will receive the penitent people. In Amos, you have a prediction that Israel and other neighboring nations will be punished by conquerors from the north in the fulfillment of the Messiah's kingdom. And this is speaking about how Rome will come in and conquer, and that's when Messiah will come. In Obadiah, we have predictions of the desolation of Edom, and that is where Job was from. That's the land that Job was from. He was a holy man of Edom. In Jonah, which you may have all known the story of Jonah in the big whale getting eaten, spat up, and then prophesying to Nineveh what will happen if they do not repent of their ways. That's all in this book. In Micah, we have predictions relating to the invasions of, and I'm sorry, I'm not perfect. I cannot pronounce these, but I'm going to try. Shalmaneser, the Sennacherib, and the Babylonish captivity, the establishment of a theocratic kingdom in Jerusalem, and the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem. Again, many, many years in advance. And you may have, you guys may be connecting some dots like, hey, this is prophesying Babylon taking over, and that was, that came way before in the Bible, way before in the Old Testament. Well, yes. And in fact, if you go back and read the Tanakh, which is the Jewish virgin, version, I'm so sorry, it is the Jewish version of the Old Testament, which is the same except the order that it comes in. That is a more chronological order, linear straight through. Christianity uh, broke it up. We kept the Torah as the first five books because it's so important to get that foundation. And then we moved into the history and law and we took care of all that history right there without the prophets. Then we have the poetry and wisdom kind of just clumped up in the middle. And the prophets were all put at the end because they were prophets. And most of them prophesy concerning God's kingdom. And that's why we want them together. And, you know, for the Jewish people, that's not such a big deal because they don't believe the Christ has come yet. And that's the huge disconnect between Judaism and Christianity.
After Micah, we have Nahum, which is the prediction of the downfall of Assyria. Then we have Habakkuk, which is a prediction of doom of the Chaldeans. Then we have Zephaniah, a prediction of the overthrow of Judah for its idolatry and wickedness. Then we have Haggai, which is prophecies concerning the rebuilding of the temple. We have Zechariah, prophecies relating to the rebuilding of the temple and the Messiah. Then we have Malachi, which is prophecies relating to the calling of Gentiles and the coming of Christ. And with Malachi, the Old Testament is done. And then we move into the New Testament, which normally I would save this for another day, but I'm, I'm just going to keep going. And in the New Testament, we start with the Gospels. We have the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are all, no, these are Christ's life and ministries. By some of his apostles, these were all written down as accounts of his life. And there are some differences. Uh, in Mark, we get some incidents that were omitted, omitted by Matthew. And Luke, it kind of, it's more of a historical standpoint. And they want, and he really focuses on those big important acts of Christ's life and his and some of what happens thereafter. And in John, we have, you know, great important events that were not related by some of the other evangelists. And if you're going to read a gospel, generally people start with John. It tends to, it's just what's set out as the easiest to understand from a Gentile standpoint. And if you guys are wondering, you hear me toss around the word Gentile. The Gentile is basically anyone who is not a Jew. So if you are a partitioner of the Judaic faith, you would not be a Gentile. However, if you are not, then you are a Gentile. After the Gospel of St. John, we move into the Acts, which was written by Paul, as was much of the New Testament. Fourteen of the books of the New Testament were attributed to Paul, who, you might find interesting to realize, was originally a great persecutor of Christianity. And then God intervened. After the Acts of the Apostles, which is the history of the Apostles and how they uh, lay the foundation for the Christian church, we have the Epistle to the Romans, which is St. Paul's uh, doctrine of justification by Christ, written to the Romans. And you'll notice that lots these are most of these that's left are letters, and the names of the books are the people that they were being write, written to. We have the Corinthians, the first Epistle to the Corinthians. And it's how Paul is correcting some of the errors into, and, you know, some of their fallen ways. You know, hey, you're doing stuff you should not. And he goes into greater depth with it. The second epistle to the Corinthians, uh, he's more of, he's vindicating in his disciples and their faith and his own character and the teachings that they are doing 
and that he has helped build. And then you move on to the Galatians, the epistle to the Galatians. And Paul says, we are justified by faith and not rights. And that is a big part of the epistle to the Galatians. And that's basically saying our faith in Christ is what saves us. Nothing that we can do could have any bearing on our salvation. Then we have the epistle to the Ephesians, which Paul talks about the power of divine grace. Moving on to Philippians, which is personally one of my favorite books. I could talk for a while on it. I'm not going to at this moment. I'll probably come later in a different podcast. We ha- Paul talks about the beauty of Christian kindness. We have the epistle to the Colossians. And this he warns the Colossians of error and people who are exhort certain duties he's warning them against us saying hey do not let down your guard then we move into first thessalonians the first epistle to the church of thessalonia um he again he's exhorting his disciples and he's telling them to continue in the faith and in holy conversation and meet together kind of getting that you know you go to church so that you can be with your fellow believers, your community of brothers and sisters in Christ. And in the second epistle to Thessalonica, he corrects an error concerning the speedy coming of Christ the second time. He's saying, hey, you guys are thinking about this. It's really this. And he wants to set the record straight. And then we have first and second Timothy. Timothy was a, you know, a student of Paul's. And Paul instructs Timothy in the duties of what some would consider a pastor, of a teacher, and encourages him in his work of ministry. Then we have the epitle, epistle to Titus. I just cannot talk today. My apologies. But Paul encourages Titus in the performance of his ministerial duties. Titus is another minister. And Paul is always trying to guide these people because they're the ones who are teaching the masses. And if they have wrong doctrine, then everybody else is going to get wrong doctrine. And Paul really does not want that to happen. He is so proactive in trying to correct people and saying, hey, you're saying this. This is what it needs to be. And he really just lays it all out there. In Philemon, you get an appeal to a converted master to receive a converted escaped slave with kindness. In the epistle to Hebrews, Hebrews, it's not entirely clear on who wrote it, but it's attributed to Paul. It's generally assumed that it's either Paul or one of his students. And in it, it's maintained that Christ is the substance of the ceremonial law. It's a very kind of, you read Hebrews and you kind of get a flashback to the Old Testament. It's a really awesome book. After Hebrews, you have James, which was written by 
James. You have a treatise on the efficacy of faith united with good works. And what that means is basically you have uh, faith and good works are together. And James really talks about faith and what it means to have faith in the attributes of someone with a strong foundation in faith and some of the good works that will follow and stem from that. In first and second Peter, it's kind of Peter wants to lay out Christian life. And in there he 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 says, Hey, here's some things that you're gonna hit along the way. These are warnings, these are predictions of things that might happen. And you need to be ready for that if you want to live a Christ-centered life. In John the first, there are third three epistles of St. John. In the first, um, John encourages us to Christian love and conduct. And in the second, John is writing to a converted lady against false teachers. He warns of what many Christians will refer to as wolves in sheep's clothes. And these are people who claim to be Christians and are not. They are there to lead the flock astray. In the third epistle of St. John, we have a letter to Gaius thanking him, praising him for his hospitality. Then we have Jude, who warns against the deceivers. And then we get the final and quite possibly the most confusing book of the whole Bible, Revelation, which is the, pretty much the prediction of the end times. And it is so heavily debated because no, no one's for sure on when or what any of this will entail, but it is a prophecy. And it is such a great read, but um, don't expect to read it and understand anything. So this was just kind of my, you know, two cents on going through what each book of the Bible contains. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'm Again, I'm not perfect, and you may hear different things from other people. And if you do, I encourage you to do your own research and really you know, find out for yourself what you believe to be true. Um, now I'm going to try and get back on track with posting on Sundays. So... Be on the lookout for next weekend for my next podcast. Um, I'm going, I'm still trying to spitball ideas and see where I feel God's leading me to post. But right now I'm leaning towards a couple segments about forgiveness. I want to kind of go over some of these qualities that are mentioned in the Bible and what the Bible has to say about, you know, certain things like forgiveness, love compassion, maybe even go over Leviticus and kind of lay out, here are the disconnects that lots of people have within the law. And they're saying, well, because you get lots of people who say, hey, uh, you guys want to hold uphold this part of the Bible and laws, but in here, you, you know, you, you don't want to give up eating shellfish. You don't want to give up your sushi. You don't want to always eat your steak well done. Well, there are some misconceptions there, and there's a disconnect. And who knows? 
maybe I'll go over that. But please stay tuned. Uh, I want to thank you if you listened to my rambling all the way up till now. And again, I would love to hear some feedback from you on either our Facebook page or at our email, which is rapturedmillennial at gmail.com. Please uh, hit us up with any questions you might have. And, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we will do our best to get some to you. So until next time, I hope you guys have an amazing week and stay up.